Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another Elm Park Royal podcast in association with Blue Cross Street Food. Um, before we even get started with any of the podcasts uh, today, obviously last night was pretty horrible in one way and that was um, the moment that happened with John Fleck and everyone associated with the podcast just, you know, sent him our best wishes. It sounds like He's been discharged from Royal Barks and, and everything's pretty positive on that front. So um, if you haven't seen it, he kind of collapsed on the pitch and it was a pretty horrible moment for everyone involved. Um, you know, I can't imagine what those Sheffield United players were thinking, especially. So I always hate it when people say credit to them for playing on because they don't really have that much choice. But like, I'm just just happy that he's OK. And, and uh, yeah, best wishes. Anyway. Uh, on with the rest of the podcast. I'm joined today uh, by Jack, Analytics1871. Um, how you doing, Jack? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Much warmer than I was and fractionally less miserable than about 10 o'clock yesterday. Yeah, when it's when it's so cold, it, it does not help when you have a game of football that is not particularly exciting to watch. Uh, I'm also joined by uh, Nick. How are you, Nick? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, same. Better to be in the warm than the cold last night. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd give your Twitter handle out, but Jack very cleverly puts him in in his uh, you know little video, and I, <laughs> otherwise I'd never remember it. Um, anyway, so start of the match, um, team sheet comes out. There's one change, and it's uh, Delhi Bashiru in for Tom Holmes. In some ways, that is a bit of a surprise because obviously I, I think everyone thought Tom Holmes was excellent on Saturday. Um, in another sense. It's just moving Andy Yardon back into his actual position. Um, Nick, when that team sheet came out, what were you thinking? I couldn't believe he'd dropped Tom Holmes. He's been playing quite well. Um, Saturday in particular, he was man of a match. I think most people would agree with that. Um, he shows a maturity beyond his beyond his years. He's only 21. Uh, and I think the way Liam Moore's been playing as well, I don't understand how he could justify dropping Tom Holmes over Liam more if he had to pick between the three of the centre-backs. Uh, I mean, Moore made the mistake against Birmingham, didn't cover himself in glory on 
Saturday, I don't think he, I thought he was awful, to be honest, against Forest, and it's partly uh, partly to blame for the goal as well. Um, and Tom Holmes was was fantastic. He, I think he made one misplaced pass, and other than that, it was just fantastic and solid. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't understand it. I, it took me a long time to get, get it in my head, but that had happened. Uh, yeah, if someone's out of form, he's your club captain. I don't see why he's... Panovic seems to be blind, blindly loyal to players that aren't performing. Um, that's just not not just Liam Moore. That's Josh Lauren. That's Obi Ajarian. You could probably name a couple of others, but those three in particular are not performing. And there's blind loyalty there. It seems. It's quite funny that you raise those those th- uh, other two because I thought that Lauren on Saturday had quite a good game, and I also think that when when you see the setup of the team. Um, Jack, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, more in homes, yeah, you can debate that till the cows come home. Um, obviously, we don't have insight behind the scenes, so may, maybe there's something going on there. But but once you see the setup and it's this kind of 4-3-2-1 Christmas tree type formation, I think it does become a little bit more apparent why Lauren, um, and to an extent, Ovi, because he is quite good defensively, why they're still playing. I think it does. I think, you know, particularly in that midfield area, whilst players are coming back from injury and you don't want to throw them in right away, the options aren't aren't huge. Um, I think the change was more to try and change the formation to set up against Sheffield United than Holmes had played in any way anything other than brilliantly against Sheffield United. Um, I think there's a question as to whether that's how we should have set up or whether we should have um, tried to keep with a fairly similar system that's done okay for the past couple of games. Um, but I, I think if you're going to set up in that 4-3-2-1, which is a bit of a question mark for me, particularly after how the, the second half started to unfold, um, I think I think it makes a level of sense to have both Lauren and Ajaria there when, when the other options aren't necessarily fully fit yet. Um, on the sort of more question, I kind of think if there was a game right after Birmingham, that would probably have been the time to have um, sort of moved him out, um, or at least given him a bit of a, a break from 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 a, the starting lineup. Um, I think he sort of was a beneficiary of the international break and a bit more of a reset and thinking about okay, do we want to go back to what would be our our typical um, back four? But I think he has sort of benefited a little bit from being club captain and putting in a series of fairly average performances. Um, and I think when you're the club captain, that makes you, uh, whether it should make you slightly harder to drop, I, I don't know. But I think it, the, fra- the fact is that it has, in Moore's instance, made him slightly harder to drop. Um, I'd hope to see Holmes come back into the side before too long, um, particularly because I don't think um, things worked super well yesterday, um, second half. Uh, but I think that uh, I think the, the way Paunovic decided to set up it was probably the eleven that you would have expected, um, and, and didn't take the decision to to or the big decision to to drop more. Yeah, I mean, and and that setup, as as you kind of mentioned, Jack, that was entirely about, as far as I can tell, at least negating Sheffield United. And the the comments that Panovic made after the game were a bit strange to me. He kind of said that the team were fatigued and that. Um, it was something to do with like it was a bit of a uh, dull game and, and it was to do with the players. But he set up the team to make that kind of game, Nick. And um, it, I mean, it worked, right? Like first 45 minutes were horrible to watch, but that was in part because Reading were 
were shutting down every avenue. The problem is once we won the ball, we we just didn't really know what to do with it, it felt. Yeah, it was two really boring sides with no creation, no ideas. Both teams just nullified each other with probably some fairly good organisation. And I mean, I was a bit confused with our midfield. It was a bit over the place. I'm not sure the players knew where they were playing, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, there's, there's literally no creation for either side. Uh, that should have really been a nil-nil game yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case and we lost the game. But uh, John Swift didn't have a good game. I don't know if he just wasn't sure what, where he was supposed to play or if he just didn't get into the game or, or what, what the reason was for that. Um, and he's our creator. And without John Swift creating, we've got little else. And we just didn't really have anything going forward. Ovi was quite deep. Laurent plays higher forward when Drinkwater plays. And I don't think they suit each other as a two. They don't work well um, as, as a duo. I think Laurent sort of misses Rhino. And I think Drinkwater suits Deli Bashiru. And there's just the cohesion on the pitch just isn't working with the, the players that are being selected at the moment. Uh, but there was just no ideas when we went forward with it. Puskas, I don't think he was anything to blame with him last night. He had, he had nothing going for him. Um, no support going forward. Uh, Deli Bashiru was quiet. I don't think he did much at all yesterday. Uh, I forgot he was on the pitch for half an hour. Um, but it just didn't work. It was just a very boring setup. And the tempo is just so slow. And how can a team worry about defending when you're passing it around so slowly and taking, I mean, even drink water, it takes five minutes to decide what pass to make. And it's not going to get you anywhere. There's no directive. There's no, there's no direct play. There's no direction on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Paunovic, I think that the team knew exactly what they were doing out of possession. And and I thought that, you know, it, it was kind of like Ejaria, Drinkwater and Lauren, they were quite deep. And that was to negate Gibbs, White and McGoldrick. Like the wide forwards kind of, you know, just had no space to work with. And then Swift and Delhi Bashiru, they kind of pushed up and and held Fleck and Norwood. And, and that was all working. But yeah, it, like... <laughs> And, and Callum has mentioned this on the pod before. Um, it feels like there are no patterns of play that Reading kind of fall back on when things aren't going well. And, and, and Nick, as you say, especially like Danny Drinkwater had a couple of opportunities to switch it where we had clear overloads on one side and he just wasn't playing those balls. Um, and, and late in the game, we started going long and going long to George Puskas and as weird as it was, that was working, but we didn't try that once in the first half, Jack. Like, what was the issue, do you feel? Like, was it just, a, as Nick says, a, a lack of cohesion and the fact that the squad was picked to defend, not to attack? Yeah, there was, there was absolutely no urgency from either side in the first half. At halftime, it sort of felt like both teams were probably taken nil-nil. Both teams are quite content with the fact that it's going to be a mistake or an accidental moment of brilliance that is going to gonna nick a 1-0 win. And I feel like defensively, whilst the shape worked for the first half, the one thing it did do was put absolutely no pressure on the wing-backs um, of Stevens or Bogle, who were able to get into decent crossing areas fairly regularly um, without too much trouble uh, during that first half. And okay, the front line for Sheffield United is not the biggest, so Dan and, and Moore were able to do a pretty good job of cleaning that up, and that's why there was never much problem in the first half. But as the game develops, that's 
where they end up isolating somebody against um, Baba Rachman later on, and that doesn't doesn't work quite so well. I think then when it comes to sort of being on the ball, Pushkas was making a ton of leads throughout the first half in particular and was getting visibly quite frustrated about the ball not being played through. I think Blade's set up with quite a high line, so there's a limited amount of direct running he can do in behind without just being offside all the time. Um, and there was one moment in particular, I think, when Pushkas sort of made a lead off the shoulder of the defender. Ajaria has a look to play and almost plays him, thinks second of it. Um, Pushkas makes a lead in the opposite direction. Same thing happens where Ajaria almost decides to play the ball and then turns back the other way and then loses the ball. And you sort of think, if we're going to take that long to try and work out what we're going to do and then lose the ball anyway, we may as well actually have a bit of a go at least once. And I don't think it was until about the... 40th minute when we actually tried to play something through to push gas and what ended up happening was that their defenders had to make the clearance and we were able to win a throw in fairly high up the pitch and you think actually if we just do that a little bit more it will enable us to break out because all that was happening was push gas was the only one putting any pressure on any Sheffield United player when they had the ball and we were sat so deep for so much of that first half that there was never an ability for us to really show much bar yield and deciding to have a wander down the right hand side every now and then um, so there's never really much of a much of a plan or much of an idea as to how we could actually link up with the with the forward line. Yeah, I felt really sorry for Puskas at points last night, just <laughs> waving John forward to try uh, John Swift forward to try and press. And I don't think that that was necessarily the right thing to do, but obviously it is very frustrating where it's just you up there by yourself, like not able to win the ball back against three centre backs. Um, yeah, so Nick, like second half starts, like we'd, we'd kept them quiet in the first half. Or, or maybe maybe even that isn't fair. Like it feels like Reading is starting halves quite slowly at the minute because early on in the first half um, is probably where Sheffield United had their best chances. We gave away a couple of fouls, which led to a free kick and that led to some corners and whatnot. Um, and then just before Jaden Bogle scores, he has a big chance again. And Southwood makes a tremendous save, to be fair. Like, uh, I thought it was 1-0 at that point, Nick. Yeah, um, they were trying to walk it in. I think Sheffield United at the time, we were very exposed at the back. It was up the other end of the pitch to me. Um, but I think they did the right thing with with passing it across and not being, you know, we saw Grabander on Saturday for Forest. We should have squared it and it's a goal. Uh, I think they did the right thing. I haven't seen it back, actually, but it looked the right thing at the time. Um, Southwood came out, I think. Who was it? Do you know who who had the one-on-one with Southwood? I think that was Bogle as well. Was Bogle Jack's as well. nodding, yeah. Yeah, Bogle. So he maybe took too long and Southwood closed the gap. Uh, made a really good save. Uh, he's such a reliable goalkeeper, as we say every every week at the minute. He's... I mean, he deserves more clean sheets. Unfortunately, but he hasn't had more than he's than he's got. I think he's had three. Uh, he should be on a lot more. He's been unlucky, been let down by other players. Um, but we got away with that one, and that should have been the wake up call. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't. And they scored their, their next opportunity after that. Um, but yeah, we we do start half slow. We either start we have a couple of minutes where we start quite well, and then we go really bad for the rest of a half or we start really slowly and then we pick up about 20 minutes in um and it's just a pattern that i don't know this is it, i don't think that's been the case since panovic i think that's been the case for a long time now um from previous managers 
So I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the set of players. There's, there's a core number of players that have been here about five years or so now. Uh, maybe that's something to do with to, uh, the players we've got. Yeah, I mean, I do remember um, last season. Oh, it was so long ago. But I remember there being a thread about the first 15 minutes of games and how Reading was just absolutely dire. And obviously, we've conceded in the first five minutes in the last two games. Managed to make it through the first half here. Mm. Um that Jaden Bogle shot was three minutes into the second half. As Nick says, warning sign, but Jack Reading don't kind of um, react to it. And and he scores um, five minutes later. Yeah. And it's the, the most frustrating thing in some ways about this is that this is not by any stretch of the imagination. The first, oh, somebody's not marked the guy on the far post and they've tapped it in goal that we've conceded this month, let alone this season. Um, I think... It's unfortunate that in this instance is, is Baba Rahman, who I thought otherwise had a, a pretty reasonable game at left back. Um, but he's sort of caught in no man's land where he can't win the header from the ball in, and nor is he within five yards of the player he's supposed to be marking at any point. It's a very good run from Bogle. Um, I think he does well to get on the end of it, and it's a very good finish. Um, but but I think I think we should still be cutting that cross out. Um, but when, as for the pretty much whole game, we've been letting people put balls into the box with relatively little pressure particularly from those sorts of slightly deeper positions um you know it, it wasn't like there wasn't a warning sign throughout throughout the game and it's not like this hasn't been a problem you think back to the very first game of the season against stoke i think the first goal we conceded there was a ball that free kick that goes through to the far post and then sort of against bournemouth more recently as well sort of a ball across to the far post somebody loses their man and somebody taps it in i think it was possibly Solanke on that day and I think it's it's a fairly consistent issue and one that teams are clearly quite alive to um, and a bit frustrating when you you know have had the warning sign three minutes early that we're still not picking up the player and it's it's effectively the same same, same issue recurring um, throughout the season. I mean I would love for us now to talk about how Reading kind of through the kitchen sink at stuff. And and to be fair, we probably did in, in terms of the way that we then made substitutes and whatnot. Um, I can't remember the last time Panovic made three subs, to be fair. So that, that's something, I guess. Um, but there, there really isn't anything. Like the one thing that everyone keeps bringing up on, on Twitter, on the old Twitter, is uh, Andy Carroll's shot. And that's from 35 yards, Nick. Like it just never felt like we were going to get close to equalising. Yeah, Carroll again lifts us. He's probably the only positive out of last night. He came on and he seemed to give us a bit, something going forward. I know it didn't come to anything and he had that shot. But he put himself about. Um, I do think he needed uh, a Femi Aziz type to go alongside him. And it's obvious that Femi's obviously not fit enough. Um, but why put him on the bench if you can't bring him on even for the last two or three minutes? It just doesn't. You might as well have Mamadi Kamar on the bench again or... Kelvin Iapatimen or something like that, you know, it just makes no sense to have someone you can't bring on. Because um, he would have been perfect when we're chasing game flick on, running on to them pacing behind. And that's what we lacked yesterday. Um, we, like you said, we didn't throw the kitchen sink. I think they were trying to go forward and Liam Moore went forward and kept getting called offside annoyingly. Um, but we just didn't create anything. And there was no, what annoys me is there was no, we didn't, Sheffield United into panic defending and last-ditch defending. It was pretty easy for them, to be honest. And it's it's a shame because we had the bodies on. I mean, I don't understand why I put Tom Holmes on for as a change in formation, but why take a job? I know he wasn't playing well, but why take him off for a centre-back? 
Uh, if you didn't want to bring Aziz on, maybe just bring Tatek on and at least have a midfielder on who can sort of play the ball forward. And I just don't understand what was going on and what the plan was. It just didn't, whatever it was, it just didn't work and nothing materialised. Yeah, and it, it's annoying because like we we um, we kind of talked about Andy Carroll coming on on Saturday and how big that was for us, Jack. Um, and part of that was the change that it forced um, not Swansea because that's not Cooper's team anymore, uh, not even Forrest into. Um, but it just, yeah, Sheffield, as Nick kind of says, like there was no panic even after and uh, Andy Carroll came on. They they just seemed so comfortable that the whole half. Yeah, Nick's absolutely right. I think that it was so comfortable for United to see that see that out. Um, there was never, you know, there, there were a couple of balls into the box, a couple of times Pushkas or Carroll were hiding behind the keeper rather than gambling on the near post. There's maybe one header where Carroll goes through a couple of defenders to get to it that was a little bit exciting, at least the first bit of sort of anything resembling physicality that had been shown throughout the entire game. But I think for me, the the big frustration was the Halilovic substitution could have been about 20 minutes earlier and either for Dali Bashiru or if Panovic was feeling particularly bold, could have been for Swift, who I thought had a particularly poor game um, in not his more natural role within the team, I think. I think sort of Halilovic, when he's played so far this season, has actually brought a little bit of that incisiveness that maybe we've been missing when we start playing in and around the box. Um, and we did get to that sort of stage a bit towards the end of stoppage time. And I think when he came on, he looked fairly bright. Um, I'd like to see him get a few more minutes. I think when you've got someone like Carol, it's about the quality of cross that we need to start putting in uh, and not just the volume, because there was quite a lot of, let's just lump it up and hope that something exciting happens. Um, and actually, I think somebody like Halilovic with his deliveries that have been quite good at times this season, um, Swifts were not working at all yesterday. Um, just think maybe he chalks it down to one of those days. Um, but I think I think ultimately we need to actually think about, OK, if we're going to bring Carroll on, what's our method of, of using him in his most effective? Because it's not going to be 35 yard shots. As good as the shot was, um, like the keeper is always going to save it when he's got that much time. So I think we just need to actually work out a structured plan of attacking when we when we bring him on. Um, and it will probably involve crosses, but that means that we've got to get better at the ones that we actually deliver um, because it was pretty abject um, throughout much of yesterday. And as Nick says, incredibly comfortable for, for Sheffield United. I'm kind of becoming increasingly convinced that our best crosses of the ball are George Puskas and Andy Carroll, and that's probably not ideal. Um, but Nick, like, so... I've I've read your tweets, Nick. I, I know what you feel about Paunovic. Um, do you think that the fact that like Andy Carroll can't play ninety minutes, um, I don't think he's up for starting. Um, Halilovic, Aziz, we've got all these players to come back. Is is that not a good enough excuse for him anymore? Should he have found a better way of playing last night in particular? Yeah, last night in particular because we have the options. Um, I, I don't like his comments about tiredness and Sheffield United are tired too. They've all had two weeks off apart from about three players with international duty. I don't understand what he's talking about. Um, it's just, it's the championship. It's like, he's managed over a year in championship now. And last year was harder than other years because it was more compressed. Um, so the fatigue chat, we've got a big enough squad. I know we've had injuries. We've got a big enough squad. It's just 
just a load of rubbish, isn't it? Really, it's, it's become boring. Um, and I, I honestly don't think we've had a good start in eleven most weeks, apart from the first handful of games, even with the injuries. And I know they did tire in most games, but I don't think we've really played well this season at all. Maybe Fulham, but that felt like more of an FA Cup final. A better team did a job on them away. Great, everyone did their job. It's fantastic to watch. Middlesbrough and Preston probably had two of our easier games this season. Only scraped them one 0 it's not good enough. That Blackpool game, I think we were rubbish in that first half where we were 2-0 up. I thought Blackpool showed signs that they were going to come at us and they won 3-2 and they deserved it. And I just don't think, and we haven't looked good since the back end of last season, probably since February. It's just not good enough. The problem is with FFP, what can we do? Does it affect us if we sack him or gardening leave? What can you get in? Probably not a lot. And with the restrictions in place, who wants the job? So it's... I know it's not simple, but I just I worry with Panovic in charge. He's just I, there's a lot of things I do like about him, but where it matters, I don't like a lot about him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jordan said this on the on the last pod he was on, kind of that he's found it very difficult to like understand and critique Pano because he's had. Yeah. Let's be fair to him. He has had a lot of problems over his time here, whether that's injuries, whether that's FFP, whether that's you know, all of these different things going on. Um, Jack, I mean, the the number of games he's won in the last, you know, well, this season, all, all season pretty much, um, hasn't been great. It, is he now... It, it's so hard to say, is he coming to the end or is he coming to crunch time? Because, because as Nick says, FFP might play a massive role in this. Like, if we cannot afford to sack our manager, then it doesn't matter how bad the results are. Yeah, exactly. And even if we can, there's a bit of a question as to whether we want to get back on Kia's merry-go-round of managers that he quite likes um, and whether, you know, that is going to be um, something that's in any way useful for us for us moving forward. Um, I think it's it's tricky with Panovic. I think last night, you know, he's got players returning from injury, um, probably doesn't want to start them straight away, as sort of discussed on the, the November chat with, about the injuries with um, uh, with Ben. But I think that this is now the time when he needs to show that he can take a team that has got players and has, as of now, got enough depth within the bench um, to actually kick on and move away from, from the relegation zone. I think, yeah, over the past few months, it's been very, very challenging. Um, and I, I don't think that there are a ton of managers that would have done much better um, over the, over the past past few months with the the injuries that we have had, um, but I think the thing that I find quite tricky is last night. I think the system and some of the changes that he made arguably did affect the result, um, and I think that there is a, a bit of a question as to whether what should have been a fairly comfortable nil nil um, is is in some ways down to some of the system changes that he's made. On the other hand, I can't really think of too many games where. Paunovic has made a particular system change or, a, or 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 a substitution where you think, oh, that's that's won us the game, or that's got us a point, and and I think that's where over the next few games, assuming he gets a few games, that's what he's got to start showing is that he has the ability and not just rely on oh Swift's quite good every now and then, um, or oh there's Ajaria working some magic against Fulham, um, I think actually he needs to start showing that he as the manager is capable of taking us forward rather than relying on a couple of brilliant individual performances. Um, I don't 
personally think that it's it's time for for him yet. I think he does deserve a little bit um, still. I don't think that there's much that can be gained by getting rid of him. Um, but uh, I think there is a it is getting to the stage where he needs to start giving reasons to get either a contract extension towards the end of the year or or, or a reason why he should be able to see that contract out. Yeah, I mean, my personal take on this is like last night. Last night, I think we saw the best and the worst of Panovic in in some ways. Like I, as as I've said throughout this podcast, like I could understand the system out of possession, and I think we did a good job in that. It made it a very boring watch, which is a whole other thing. Like I didn't enjoy watching Mark Bowen and would have been perfectly happy to get rid of him just on that basis, pretty much. Um, so I'd rather we don't do that every week. But yeah. It, we are a team, and I can't remember if I said this on the pod before or whether it was somewhere else, but like people say about Manchester United that the reason that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was winning games was because of individual quality. And like Reading, to me, feel a lot like that. Like we have some players who are clearly like too good for this level in some ways, like John Swift is, is one of them. And as you say, Jack, like you can't rely on him to to do that every week like it will work on on many occasions um but on others it won't <laughs> and especially given john swift's injury history like you it's the same thing with relying on lucas jow like at some point that is gonna go wrong and like uh, you know successive managers now have relied on lucas jow and look where they've ended up once he's got injured so yeah it's, it really is a tough one um that said like if if Kia is the one pulling the strings behind the scenes, as kind of the athletics say, um, it almost doesn't matter, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's worrying. It's worrying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was actually an article on the Athletic this week about like, do you even need a manager? And like, whilst it was a bit ridiculous, like the the central tenant of the argument was that the players are more important than the manager, and Reading need to have. Uh, and Nick, you've said we have a big squad. We do have a big squad, but it would be nice if that big squad was was fully fit with with our first choice 11 um and as jack says now that that is starting to be the case i think panovic really does have to start picking up results otherwise who knows what's going to happen to him um he'll he'll end up i don't know where where do old managers end up reading managers uh, out of a job (laughs) if it's mark bowen or I don't know what don't don't know what Jose Gomez is doing nowadays. He was at Almira for a bit, but that didn't go great for him back either. In, he's back in Saudi, I think. Is he? Oh, what he's like his old club there? Yeah, I think he went back there last I saw. But yeah, yeah what he did you said, like a third time, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's gone back there. Yeah, what you said about Oli and Manchester United as a comparison—that's that's exactly it. That's how I feel. It's you know he's he's getting saved a bit. Um, there's not really any direction. I'm not sure as a lot of Manu fans said they they didn't understand the style they're playing or the direction. That's that's how I'm starting to feel with Panovic and Reading at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel that we are getting better either as a team or as individuals mm-hmm. either. Like that is a slightly worrying trend for me. Um, but then again, I I would have said the exact opposite at this time last season. So. It, it is just it's very difficult when he's got so many injuries and and I yeah I personally am probably not at the stage where like Jack not at the stage where I think he should go right now because I think that there have been reasons for the current form but now those reasons are starting to to go he, he needs to step up and I I know I know there are people listening to this podcast that will not like that and and think that he should have stepped up 
long before now, and that's that's perfectly reasonable. I think I don't think anyone is saying that Panovic is doing an exceptional job. It, it's more just the state that Reading are in. Um, Shall we look forward very quickly to the Swansea game? Um, that's another sort of semi-difficult trip, um, Jack. Um, I'm not sure it's going to go much better than it did did on Tuesday. Uh, no, I think Swansea are at the minute, if you take the last eight games, third in the championship form table, which does uh, not give me... That's what they said a... about Forrest, though. Yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. Um, obviously, we saw them they're, they're under a new manager this season in, in Russell Martin, um, who came over from MK Dons. We saw them beat the kids in the, the League Cup. Um, they looked they looked all right, um, looked like they played some quite nice nice football. My concern is that we will go into that game in a, with a fairly similar mindset as the Sheffield United game of we're going to let them have the ball. Um, and I think that there is only so much that we can do that before actually some of our defensive frailties, particularly when teams can start to move that ball with um, a little bit more um, sort of direction in the final third than, than, than at times Sheffield United did last night. I think that could could be a bit of an undoing for us. I think it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, I think that the the defensive midfielders, whoever it is that Paunovic decides to put in front of the back four, assuming it is a back four, um, are going to have to to work their socks off um, and are going to be going to be moving side to side quite a bit because that Swansea team will create overloads um, and transition the ball really, really effectively as they have done in, in recent weeks. I think it's going to be a really challenging game um, and not one that we always do particularly well at the Liberty. Yeah, I mean, Nick, are you, are you at all confident or is this <laughs> one you've already written down to a loss? Yeah, I think we'll lose. Uh, I think Swansea are very, very good possession side. They're starting to settle in now under Russell Martin. Joel Pirro's on hot form. He's been in hot form most of the season. He's settled in well um and i think we'll have to i think we'll, we'll need to press them to stand a chance and cause mistakes because that's where russell martin came and done at mk dons and has shown frailties at swansea is is the team making mistakes in possession and us taking advantage of that i'd like to see a formation change ideally carol and push up front i'm not sure as we said earlier if carol's fit enough and it's unlikely um, but i think we might need back two up front system with a back three i wouldn't mind seeing lauren at the back with dan and holmes um Personally, I think Lawrence's been terrific defensively, and I don't think he's looking good next to Drinkwater. So that that would help things. But we'll see. I'm not. I'm just not confident in in just the way the club's going at the minute. If I'm honest, uh, yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm being really negative, but yeah, I'm not very happy with the, the club. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable to be yeah pissed off we'll about lose. about everything. To be honest, like yeah. everything that's come out, I, I think. And and Paul Carr touched on this in our um, when we went over the deduction news. Um, I think because it's come out quite slowly, there's there's almost like it was inevitable, and people kind of knew it was coming. Mm. Uh, as he says, I think the anger for a lot of people might still be to come. Like uh, and yeah, God, this is good. Uh, no. Let's let's try yeah. and not be this depressing at the end of the podcast. If we wanted to do this, we probably should have done it in the middle. Um, Hopefully, we're surprised anyway, and, and we get a result. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be nice, and maybe some other players will come back, and and we we might look a, a better team if nothing else. Um, yeah. So thanks very much, Jack. Uh, thanks very much, Nick. Uh, I will be back possibly tomorrow or Friday with uh, a kind of elongated uh, Swansea preview, and we will be talking to uh, Benji, the new 
Reading Chronicle reporter. So that'll be very interesting. Um, I'd like to end again with just saying like that we hope that John Fleck is okay. As I said at the beginning, it sounds like he is, but um, yeah, very scary moment. And um, yeah, get better soon, John.